0: fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle podcast. The Peristyle podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle podcast, USCfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
1: Welcome back, Trojan fans, to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. This week it is episode number 33. It's going to be an exciting one. we got a lot to talk about with that huge upset last Thursday uh, at Oregon State. Episode 33, like I said, if you have any questions for us, just drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Coming up later on the show, we're going to hear from Pete Carroll himself talking about that loss and what's coming up against Oregon uh, from his press conference. We'll also talk to uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Wyke. Get his thoughts. He was up in Corvallis along with me uh, watching that debacle of a game. But first, Coach, coach Harvey Hyde is going to join us in that first segment as always. Coach, you're a little fired up about this loss. Wanted to uh, talk to you a little about that.
2: Well, Ryan, first of all, I want to welcome everyone out there and uh, say uh, I don't know if I've stopped the bleeding yet. I mean, I've been in the training room rehabbing now for two or three days. The only thing <laughs> that gave me a blood clot a little bit was when I saw Florida get beat and a couple of those other teams, so I got a blood clot here and there. They stopped the bleeding. But I tell you, it's absolutely, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it nicely, but it's shameful to have some of the top players in America, great coaching staffs, know what you're going up to do. You've been in this predicament before where you've been upset and by Stanford and UCLA that one year and lose some games and then lose your opportunity of, of playing in that national championship game or fighting uphill the rest of the, the year. Having to win out, having to, to do things, put more pressure on yourself rather than going into a place knowing what it's all about, don't read your press clippings, don't get too fancy, just go in there, line up, and beat a football team that doesn't have, I don't know if they have a five-star player on their roster, starting a backup quarterback from junior college, uh, that just prepared themselves for two weeks, but they had a buy before USC, prepared themselves for a football game, that they wanted to go out and prove themselves and win a football game while SC just, I guess, took it for granted. And I don't believe there's any excuse for that. I see it happen every week, but it's not like it's a Pearl Harbor on USC. They've had two or three of those during the past years, and then they find themselves fighting uphill the entire year or losing out to a team and not having that opportunity to go to the the national championship game. And then everyone in the nation talking about how bad the Pac-10 is and this and that, so... You know, what, what, what should I say? I guess I have West Coast football pride, and I like seeing a team represent the West Coast, such as USC, in that number one spot. And I think you've got to have the character and the fortitude to be able to have that position, yet go out and represent it the way the country thinks you are. You should. you got 18, I believe it's 18 or 15, five-star players on your football team, and sometimes I, I think offensively they're trying to be Houdini, uh, have people disappear or try to trick people, and instead of lining up and say, "Hey, here's the football. We're running right at you. Here's where, here's our spot. We're coming here. Uh, get ready and, and challenge people that way." But you know, maybe I'm just upset enough to, to, to say things I shouldn't say. <laughs> but, but I'm just telling you, I, I've got the pride uh, to to not feel lightly about this. I think that it was a complete
1: collapse. Coach, yeah, I agree with you. And uh, just before we get into this, we got into that a little bit there. We're going to get into a lot more, but I wanted to thank our sponsor for this segment, Southern California Tickets, uh, sctickets.com. If you need tickets, especially for that Oregon game coming up this Saturday, give them a call, 800-888-7287, or check out sctickets.com. They got affordable tickets there for the Oregon game. It should be a good one. And, uh, Coach, I, I did a lot of media after this game, I mean, my phone was blowing off the hook, not just from friends sending me text messages and stuff, but there's a lot of radio stations that want to talk about what happened. And I think leading up to the game, all the interviews I did, people want to talk about how do you avoid that letdown? Uh, and I felt that the leadership of Mark Sanchez would help them deal with that. They wouldn't, he wouldn't let them have a letdown. Obviously, I was wrong. They had a huge letdown. Uh, is there something, I mean, you know, some t- some coaches, some players get knocks for not being able to win the big one. You can't say that about Pete Carroll and the Trojans. They win the big one. I mean the only one big one they didn't win was the Texas game. But all the other big games they win. What's what's up with a coach not being able to win the little one?
2: Well, you know, uh, I, I I think he's a great coach and I think they have a great program. But then it then it's obviously mental attitude, right? And preparation. If you can win all the games you want against big games, national championship, Rose Bowl games, Auburn, Virginia Tech, uh, Arkansas, the way they've gone into those places and played, then you can't can't take your conference for granted. And you've got to you've got to you know just because you play Oregon State every year, doesn't mean Oregon State doesn't want to beat you. You know what? You are their game of the year in Corvallis. That's your game of the year. Look at Oregon State. They beat USC last week, and they're an underdog this week to, to Utah.
1: Big underdog. Uh,
2: yeah, how, how can that be? It's After you beat the number one team in the country. Because the, that's the type of football team that the odd makers really believe Ohio or Oregon State is. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you're right. And I think the thing that you talked about, the Pac-10, I mean, this couldn't hurt the I mean, it just hurts the Pac-10. I think the Pac-10 likes the, the almost mediocrity, but it hurts USC that – Oregon State gets blown out by Penn State, that they lose to Stanford. They're going to lose to Utah. You know, they're going to lose a few more games. They looked incredible on Saturday night. It was USC's problem that they let Oregon State look that good because they're not going to look that good for the rest of the year.
2: Well, you know, you hope they don't. If they win every football game, they're going to go to the Rose Bowl because they've only lost one game, and if they beat USC, and if USC goes undefeated, then Oregon State's going to the Rose Bowl. So you've got to hope someone's going to beat them along the way. And if you're at USC, you've got to win every football game. And, again, fight, fight that uphill battle of putting that extra pressure on yourself because you got upset early uh, in the Pac-10 year conference. And now there's always that doubt. And you've got to now look to other conferences to help you, too, as far as uh, LSU now getting beat by someone, uh, someone else beating some Oklahoma in, in the Big 12 in order to at least give you an opportunity to go to the national championship game. So it puts more pressure on you to do that. And, and I think that when you look at last week's game, everyone's predict, predicting a big win. Me, I, myself, too. I predicted on the pregame show that USC would beat Oregon State 40-10. to 10. I want everyone to know that, and, and they couldn't wait to call me Friday morning and interview me, play that tape when I said that, and then <laughs> ask, me, ask me what happened, coach. And, you know, and it's hard to say what happened. Everyone saw the same game I saw. They were beat on the lines, the offensive and defensive lines. They were beat on play calling. They were play, They were beat on simplicity, which means they didn't confuse their players. They lined their players up. They stayed with a game plan that they thought would beat USC. Their coverage was absolutely perfect. They caught Oregon State in two-man coverages to get their two passing scores. And I think that uh, they tend to—they took the tendencies of what USC does on offense, and that's what they stopped. They didn't try to stop something USC doesn't do. And on defense, they lined up, they put quickness on 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 on, on some left side of the uh, side of the football, which would be USC's left side offensively. And because SC never runs inside to the left, if you chart it, I, I haven't charted it, but I'm just saying by in my mind they always run to the right inside. So they put quick guys on Byers. Byers had trouble blocking quick guys, stand-up guys as the defensive guard, outside or linebacker, whatever you want to call them, rushing to the outside. They put pressure on Sanchez. They couldn't get their running game going, so they ignored completely the running game, covered the pass. USC doesn't run any draws whatsoever to help the offensive lineman as far as trying to slow them down or run draw pass or run curls at the tight end and, and and find the open area. They run outs on when it's third and eight. The guy runs it out and runs a seven-yard pass route, and they throw it third and third and seven. They complete the pass, so it's fourth and two. They can't make short-yardage uh, runs. I mean, because they don't—they're not—they're not groomed to play smashmouth football. They're trying to play chess instead of having the greatest players in America line up, beat your butt, hard those guys, be the hammer, not the nail. When things aren't going right, you settle down, you stay to one or two plays that are successful, you make them go, but you believe in them. They're getting guys on and off the field offensively, and, and the guys, are, half the time, they're confused. When McKnight uh, fumbled that ball, instead of handing it off to Bradford, as they said, I, I didn't know what the play was. Okay, First of all, when I saw him standing back there, I said, what is this about? You've got the National Player of the Week against Virginia, quarterback Mark Sanchez. The next week, he's Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Week, Mark Sanchez. And on third and seven, a passing down, big down, or run or screen down, you go to this spread with ignited tailback, and he's, you know, a nervous young kid that hadn't had a great night, as you know. and They were stopping him, run some type of play that, I don't know where they got that from. I guess they got it from the Buffalo Bills. I don't know where they got it
1: from. Okay. That, that was baffling. And the both times they used McKnight coach were in like critical they weren't like, oh, you got a second and one. Let's try something fun. They were you know, after a Sanchez sack they put him in and then like you said, third and seven, they were critical downs, but when you talked about the simplicity, you looked at what Oregon State did. They put in a uh, Jack Whiz and he runs thirty seven times, mostly the same plays. And what USC, they rotated in a whole bunch of different guys, run a whole host of different plays. Most of them, to me, I mean maybe you have different thoughts, seemed like everything was working the flat or the sidelines, kind of and just left only parts of the field for Oregon State to cover, because they didn't have a little drag over the middle with the tight end or any kind of stuff. Really the middle of the field, I think, maybe they just thought it was a no no go zone or something. It just never ran anything there. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on has this offense got too complicated, and, and was the play calling kind of predictable where they just kept doing the same things, but, you know, in a complicated way?
2: Well, you know, I think it has. I think you try to outsmart yourself, and and I think that's what's happening offensively. Uh, you know, you take a great athlete, and when you get him to think or think too much or wonder if he's doing the right thing, you take the athletic ability out of him. You keep it simple. If they stop this play, you have this play. You can't stop every play. If they're covering, if they're playing you to the outside, then you run inside routes or post routes or curl routes or drag routes or crossing routes. Or you, you, you have. Oh, you're running this, so we do that. Um, it's impossible when you have better players for them to stop everything. Now, you know, if you don't have better players, and I think anybody's not going to argue with me, he has better players in Oregon State yet. At Corvallis last Thursday, you would think it was opposite. You'd think the FC players were in the orange. You would think that they switched jerseys and they're trying to trick us. Because really, when you watch that game, the team that was the best team, and I'm not saying SC didn't make it a game at the end, but there's four quarters in a football game. That Oregon State was the best team as far as the way they coached the game, The way they played the game with emotion, they got themselves ready to play. Yes, it was a big game and it was a home game. But you said it earlier. USC has been the hostile houses. You don't think Virginia Tech's hostile? You don't think Arkansas's hostile? You don't think Notre Dame's hostile? They've been to those games. So this was a situation that was a complete mess up. I mean, as far as players, coaches, preparation, everything to allow that to happen. And what surprises me, and you've heard me say this, and I've said it on all my other shows, I did not believe that this could happen to this year's team. I did not believe it. I thought it was a different type of team. I thought they were emotional. They rallied together. They were enthusiastic. Sanchez led them. And to see this happen, really, they can rebound, and they'll come back. But I'm going to tell you, this Oregon team coming down, let me tell you something. They're going to have a tough time beating this team, but every time you get beat, people watch that game nationally. Every Pac-10 team watched that game and Notre Dame. And they said, we can beat these guys too because they didn't show you anything that intimidated them. Okay. And I think that's what FC was trying to do. They thought they would intimidate Oregon State or intimidate somebody. Hey, that doesn't happen now. Right now, they're in for a dogfight with Cal, with Oregon, with Arizona State, everybody, because they allowed the nation to see their beatable. Instead of going, they had an opportunity to go in there, really show the nation again on national television that we're SC, and all of a sudden put that doubt in everybody's mind. And wow, we don't want to play them.
1: Coach, I was, I was up there in, in Corvallis on the field, and it was a very hostile environment, kind of from – Midway through the first quarter on like that. The fans were fired up, but there was still, it wasn't, I mean, you could tell they didn't quite believe. And then USC goes three and out and they looked awful. And Oregon state scores, boom. And it's just kind of, that kept happening. USC kept going three and out. And that gave, I mean, USC could have taken the crowd out of the game if it was seven, seven at the end of the first, like it wouldn't have been as crazy. Like they would have been crazy, but the fact that they look so terrible to start, They gave every advantage that they could. They gave so much confidence to Oregon State, and they gave confidence to the crowd. They made it a way more hostile environment than it started out to be.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And the number one thing you want to do when you start a game out on the road is take the crowd out of the game. Take it completely out of the game where they say, wow, we are believers. This is USC. Exactly what we saw against Virginia. Exactly what we saw against Ohio State. Wow. Wow. But when you get up 7-0, the way they drove down that first drive, I wasn't quite sure if SC had 11 guys on the field. (laughs) I started counting. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Where's the 11th guy? No, really, they went down that field that first drive like they were going against air, like it was skeleton. Then they came back again and did it again. I said, my gosh, what is this about?
1: Coach, I spent a lot of the time in the end zone, so I was looking kind of right behind the quarterback or right into his eyes. And when Oregon State was on offense, and this baffled me, I don't know if it was the spacing that when USC started off on the defensive line where Feely and uh, whoever the other uh, nose guard would be, Avril Spicer or uh, Christian Topu or, and uh, uh, Jarrell Casey actually got a lot of playing time in the second half. Uh, that kind of closed up a little bit more when Casey got in there, but it just seemed like there was these huge gaps in the middle. And I wasn't sure if they were just lining up with a lot of space between them or if they were getting blown off the ball. Did you get to notice any of that? And what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so they, they did both. They spread them out. So that, and it was he plays a gap defense. They ran a scheme with a double team towards the side of the way they were going, double team, and then slid off to the linebackers, cut off the backside. The linebackers were over pursuing. So Rogers just would go into the pile Pounded, they had no penetration whatsoever the entire game, if you know the defensive line, never had any penetration. Bounce off and go back to the off- opposite side half the time. There'd be nobody there because of the big line sprints, uh, splits, cutting off, and the linebackers over-pursuing. So, you know, and they made it work, and they started to believe in it. And, uh, and then they'd come back after they were over-pursuing. Remember, they'd run that reverse sort of type of handoff to the back to go around the corner. And they'd come back and pass the ball. And they 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 kept the defense completely off balance the entire game. So, um, you know, finally FC got it together in the second half. But you can't do that. You've got to be ready to play. You've got to make your adjustments. you got to go out there and, you know, if they're double covering our receivers or taking away the short routes and they're in a cover two or they're playing man with zone behind it or whatever they're doing, you got to spot these things. And you got to and you got to make your adjustments, and you got to be able to have two or three plays that they can't stop. Series, you call them, where if they're stopping the the power off tackle, then we're going to run the toss or we're going to run the counter, or we're going to run the fullback off the sweep, or we're going to do something to counteract what they're doing. But they can't stop everything when you're man on man, when you have better players.
1: But it seemed like there was almost a stubbornness there, coach. Maybe you can comment on that, where hey, that didn't work, we're going to make it work? Like you know, they're, they're trying to stop that, but we can still make it work. Did you see any of that?
2: Well, you know, uh, I don't know if I see any of that. I just, I just don't want to see a team such as USC try to trick people. You don't need to trick people. That's what people do against you. When you're better, you line up. You carry the club, okay? You got the club and you got the water that you throw on the match. I mean, you're the guy. I mean, uh, you're you're not going to be intimidated. You're going to go in there, and by the second series, the offensive line, when they're going to the sideline and sitting down with the offensive coach, they're not even listening to him anymore. They're saying, you know, they're in their minds. They're already saying, I got hit right in the jaw. Uh, And and whatever you're telling me, that ain't going to work, because I don't want to block that guy anyway, but they can't. And there wasn't any of that that was around – Corvallis as far as with the Trojans, and and, and maybe we're talking about it uh, too much, but I'm so disappointed that they would put themselves in this position where now it's an uphill battle for them because of now Oregon uh, coming into town and believing that they can beat USC and all the other teams thinking they can b- beat USC, and FC now hoping someone beats someone else in the other conferences to put him back in the run for the national championship. It's really too bad.
1: Well, you talked about that uphill climb. It starts this Saturday. You mentioned Oregon. Uh, Pete Carroll was raving about the uh, Oregon run game yesterday at the press conference. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've had some shakeup at quarterback. It looks like it's settling in, though. The guy that's coming up, he's had a few starts. Um, but the run game has been tremendous for them. And, uh, you know, they kind of have a two-headed monster going there. After seeing what Oregon State did against USC, they weren't a team that really was great running the ball. Now you have a great running team. Do you expect them to have a lot of success against this USC defense?
2: Well, you know, it's hard for me to predict because uh, I'm not going to fall into that old category. Uh, You know, last year Oregon beat uh, USC up there. And and I'm going to tell you, um, uh, Bilotti's been around 14 years in the back then. He's not intimidated. They're not intimidated by USC. And they have an extra motive. I think they have 60 players from California. 60 players on their roster, okay? USC, I don't think, has any from Oregon. So you've got 60 guys coming back home, a lot of them from Southern California, with all their family members and everybody being there. And brothers playing against brothers and all of this other stuff happening, where this will be a heck of a football game. It it really is going to be a heck of a football game, but I don't know and you know what I'm saying. I don't know what team is going to show up for USC. And that's a terrible thing for me to say. And I'm sorry to all of our Trojan listeners that have to hear me say this. But there's now there's a doubt in my mind. I don't go in with the confidence that I had before. So I think I've lost confidence. And I think Oregon's gained confidence. So I think this is a great equalizer.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to see what the, the players think. I mean, I talked to a bunch of them this week. The guys seem pretty excited, but yeah, I mean, they, they just want to put that loss behind them. Uh, they, you know, there's obviously going to be a revenge factor from losing to Oregon last year. You would think, coach, they would have to be focused on this game. This isn't one they could overlook. But after last week, who knows?
2: Well, you know, I don't think the, I don't think they'll overlook this game. I don't guess he'll overlook this game. I'm just I'm just anxious to see just what they plan on running offensively and defensively. See what they do as far as you know how they attack their defenses, how they adjust to certain things that are happening during a game, uh, and uh, see what happens. Because you know, again, I'm just I'm just telling you the truth. FC has better football players in Oregon, so uh, you can check the drafts. You can talk to people who are talking about it, but I'm just saying I want to see how this team prepares itself. It doesn't read the newspaper, and uh, they got to get out of the tank. If they stay in the tank and read about and talk about Oregon State this whole week and everybody asks them about that over and over and over and over, yeah, they could stumble again. they got to let that one go. It's hard to go. Like I said, I've been bleeding since that time. I've been bleeding because it's something that it was a deep cut. It wasn't a scratch. It was a deep cut to everyone who's a USC supporter. And, and, and I want you to know, you know, I didn't graduate from USC, but I've been working for them. And it's hard for me to talk like this. But, you know, if you want my feelings, that's why I do this for you, and I do it for ESPN, and I hope I'm wrong. How do you like that, ladies and gentlemen? I hope <laughs> I'm wrong because that's where I feel.
1: All right, Coach. Well, hey, we're out of time for this segment, but we appreciate uh, all the emotion that you put into this, and I know it was really tough on you on this one. It was tough on everybody, all the USC supporters out there. But thanks for sharing your thoughts, and we will uh, – Hopefully be able to talk about a victory over Oregon next week.
2: I'd tell you, it's a heck of a lot easier, isn't it? To yeah. do those they're victories.
1: Definitely. All right, everyone else, stay tuned. We'll be back after a quick break, one-minute break. We'll talk to Dan Wyke and get his thoughts on the upcoming game against Oregon.
0: The Peristyle Podcast. will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. Now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host Ryan Abraham.
1: We're back, the Parastyle Podcast. Our second segment. We're going to focus on USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Wyke. Get his thoughts. He was up in Corvallis with me watching that debacle of a game. We'll also look ahead to the Oregon game coming up this weekend. Dan, thank you very much for joining us.
4: Thanks for having me, Ryan.
1: Appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Uh, I know you're a big podcast fan, and people out there want to hear what you had to say. So, last segment, we got to talk to a very, very spirited uh, coach, Harvey Hyde. Uh, and actually, unbelievable. I, yeah, unbelievable. I, I actually got to talk to him. We actually probably talked for another 20 minutes uh, after we stopped recording for the podcast, and uh, it was interesting to me. I mean, he was really he was uh, very animated, and uh, he was really upset. Uh, after this loss, I uh, you know he's a big West Coast guy. He's a West Coast fan. He I don't think he appreciated seeing a team that you know is way more talented than the opposition, and then they it wasn't like they got beat by a fluke. They got beat. They got pushed around and just got beat completely.
4: Yeah, they they sure did. They were out physical. Uh, they didn't adjust to what Oregon State was doing. Um, it was I could I could understand. By someone who would react passionately to that kind of a loss, um, you know, you almost wish they would have put the ball on the turf six times. You know, then you can just be like, hey, you, you can't fumble like that, you know. But I mean, it, it wasn't turnovers really. Um, I mean, they did turn the ball over a couple times, and they were costing turnovers. But um, you know, it, it mostly was just their inability in the first half to, to, to stop what Oregon State was doing. Stop Jackass Rogers. I mean, he ran all over them. He ran through them. He went through arm tackles, and essentially all on the same play. Which was, I mean, it was like if you played video games, it'd be like the most annoying (laughs) thing in the world when one guy finds one play that works and just runs it over and over and over again. And you can't stop it, and you get angry, and you get frustrated, and I think that's a pretty good analogy as to what happened.
1: Yeah, like when you get that tight end play over the middle, it always seems to work when your linebackers are split. That would actually have been a nice play for USC to run anything in the middle of the field. They didn't really, uh, they didn't even go there. Yeah, it really
4: wasn't. I, I don't think it was such' best, uh, best game. I mean, they they didn't. They only ran like fifty one plays. Um, they were really limited in what they did. Um, they were behind click, which kind of I think dictated some of what they did. But I was surprised they didn't throw the ball more. Um, I mean, a lot of that had to do with the lack of time that Mark Sanchez had. I mean. You know, we talked about the defensive line. I mean, the offensive line didn't do a shot either. Um, but, you know, I, I personally thought they moved the ball at the best when they were passing, especially, you know, in the third quarter. Now, in the fourth quarter, they were still trying to pass the some, but really, really bad field position kind of limited what they could do. And ultimately, I think that's what cost them the ability to, to come back and tie the game was that terrible field position.
1: Yeah, they they didn't do a good job on special teams, I think, which led to that field position. Uh, you know, some punts you could have caught. And there's some unlucky breaks, too, punts rolling down to the two. But, you know, Oregon State made it happen. They were the, you know, Harvey Hyde was using this analogy. They were the hammer and not the nail. And USC has so much talent, they can be the hammer. They can dictate what goes on. And it, it, they just didn't. And I think that's what was most frustrating for USC fans is, like, they could have played that game you know five different ways and one at all you know, every time you know,
4: yeah, yeah, I would agree Oregon State was definitely the screw and not the driver um oh wait that that's backwards yeah that's fault. backwards yeah. um I, I I'm not very handy Ryan I'm sure very <laughs> handy the first that's the first time in like eight months I've heard the term nail or hammer, so. Anyway. But yeah, no, i I mean I agree completely. it was just I mean it was a one sided debacle It's the word that comes out. I mean they really they really should have won that game so many different ways. But they didn't. And, you know, I mean you can you can they need to look at the reasons why they didn't. This is I think the interesting challenge that the team's facing right now is that, you know, you need to look at that at what happened at Oregon State and you need to but you can't dwell on it. You can't be you can't you can't go back and play that game now, you know, that game's over. And but you at the same time I think one of the things I was critical, a little bit critical about this team, was just how kind of how they handled the whole, you know, returning to Corvallis after losing there and all their struggles there. I thought they were a little cavalier about it, um, no pun intended. But, like, you know, I thought they were, that they, you know, maybe undersold some of the emotions they could have used to kind of try to match what Oregon State did. Because, I mean, when I knew we were on the sidelines, that, that place was electric for the first 10 minutes of the game. I mean, Oregon State made a big play on the opening kickoff. Force forced the three out and scored a touchdown. Those are the first, you know, first three things that happened in that game. I mean, that place went nuts.
1: Yeah, USC allowed I mean, them to get the crowd into the game. I mean, it wasn't like, I, I talked about this with Harvey Hyde. It seemed like they were a little, you know, wait and see. Yeah, you know, there was guys that were fired up in the front row, painted their chests, and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, the crowd was just kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then USC gave them all the reason in the world to think, hey, we can win this game.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think after you saw that first time, you saw the way that Oregon State was going to run the ball. You saw them, you know, on the first time, actually, Oregon State did a good job passing the ball, too. Um, you know, you looked at it, I, I thought they were going to score 100 points, is what it looked like. <laughs> I mean, the way the, way, the, the way the Beaver offense was moving, the way that the defense was, the USC defense looked. I mean, it, it, was, it was really um, a disappointing game, and, you know, these, these these disappointing, I, I mean, hiccups, call it whatever you want. These losses are are, are plaguing USC. I mean, they've kept them out of national title games before. They could keep them out of a national title game again, even though I think that's premature at this point. But you know, it's it's something that at some point in time they'll have to deal with. I mean, there's no real answer to this, that which is the the difficult part because you know, um, I think Pete Carroll does a wonderful job keeping this team even keeled throughout the season. Where he preaches, I mean, their the baseline of their entire philosophy is that every week is a, is another chance, to, is another championship game. We approach everything like that.
1: They didn't All approach right? this game as a championship game for sure.
4: Well, I, I mean, everything that everything that I saw in practice, I mean, I didn't see anything in practice that pointed to this. I mean, to be honest, I, 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 what I saw was, I mean, a team that that looked like the the team that practiced against Ohio State. You know, a team that looked like the team that practiced against, you know, getting ready for Virginia. I, I really didn't see any signs or anything that I would point to this. Which makes it even more troubling was that it just kind of happened, um, you know. And that was something that Te alluded to. He said that you know he thought his team practiced wonderfully leading up to this game, and it was, you know, that made it even more troubling was that they went out there and then all of a sudden, I mean, it was it was almost like a different team, which is just like it, it's it's a really confusing situation. I mean, the I do think, like I said before, that emotionally they didn't match what Oregon State brought to the table. But, I mean, that's that's the challenge of playing, you know, for USC. When you wear cardinal and gold like that and you go on the road and you're the number one team in the country, I mean, you're going to have to take a team's best shot. And that shouldn't be an excuse that they that they played with more edge or more intensity because everybody's going to bring more edge and more intensity.
1: Yeah, and you, I mean, even got, you even got called out for bringing that up with Coach Carroll uh... – you know, seeing if they could use that emotion. I mean, it sounds like they could have used that emotion and and fired themselves I up. I them one. So.
4: but I mean, but what do I know? I'm just, I'm just, you know, a lowly reporter. That's, I mean, he's uh, got a system and it works. I mean, there's there's no denying it. There's absolutely no denying it. But I think what I guess my kind of thought, my kind of argument was is that when you eliminate the lows because you don't want your team to, to fall on any walls, it doesn't allow you to really embrace the highs though either. And you know, it doesn't allow you to kind of when you're trying to be so level and you're trying to be like, you know, I mean, talking to players in the locker room, guys that are saying you know that they didn't even use that loss there, or how it felt there two years ago at all in their preparation. I mean, guys, I mean, important players on the team said this. You know, it kind of caught me off guard. I mean, I would think it's human nature to, to you know, when you when you get upset like that as a, you know as you see it two years ago at Oregon State to want to wanna use that, and to want to make sure that didn't happen again, and to want to make sure you didn't feel like that. But, I mean, apparently they didn't really talk about that much, and, and they didn't use it. You yeah, know, well, here, I mean, like I said, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just, you know, in hindsight, it, it, as obviously it's clear. But, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one.
1: Well, here's the issue that I have, and it's not like I, – I think – you can make excuses at times. There's turnovers or whatever. And you could see in this game, they could have had like a couple more turnovers. And Carroll could have said, "Uh, you know, whenever you turn the ball over on the road, it's hard. I mean, that wasn't it. They got pushed around in this one. But the problem is, if you look back... It's not like they got beat by these teams that were like struggling in the beginning of the season and then turned it around and got completely hot and and, and took over and won. Yeah, Oregon was a great team last year, and that, the USC deserved to lose that game. But UCLA a couple years ago, uh, Stanford last year, Oregon State this year. Teams like that, like UCLA went out and laid an egg against Florida, a terrible Florida State keep team in California in their bowl game. Stanford struggled you know, all season long. Uh, Oregon State... I'm, I'm guaranteeing you they're going to lose to Utah. They're going to lose a few more games this year. It's not like they're going to be a great team, but they looked amazing against USC. And that's where I mean, like, if Oregon State won the rest of their games, you could say hats off to them. I mean, that's a really good team. I still don't think they're a really good team. I think they're going to lose more games this year.
4: Well, I think if Oregon State won the rest of their games, the, the the game, I mean, they're going to the Rose Bowl. I mean, yeah. You know, like, I think that I think they're a good team. I mean, I, I mean, I do think they're a good team. I, I don't think that they're awful. Um, you know, I, was, I think that they're a team that's kind of in a transitional period, a team that's still trying to find itself. And I think, you know, they found a pretty good time to find a game plan, you know. I mean, they give the ball to, to the Jackers-Rogers more than they have ever in, in the next season. I mean, you know, this is a team, too, that can throw the ball, you know. Uh, you know, they got a pretty good quarterback too. A quarterback who didn't really do much against USC because they, they didn't ask him to, but he didn't—he didn't make any mistakes though either. Uh, I mean, well, with, with the exception of a one—a pass that probably should have been intercepted in the end zone. Um, I mean, but that was—that was it from as far as mistakes go. From 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 Lyle, I'm not gonna even try to pronounce the last name. It's something.
1: Yeah, I never had to say it. I would—I wouldn't say it on the radio because I wasn't really sure. I've heard people say it different it's ways. It's
4: Moivau It is, it is more about now. I'm, I'm but I've heard people say honest. other ways too. They're all wrong. Why yeah. though? No, okay, but yeah, you know, I mean, so it's kind of a, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird situation. I mean, I, I, I do think that they're a good team. I do think they're going to win some games. and get some players on the team that I really like. I mean, there were just so many things that happened on the field in that game that you look at and mind-boggling. it's mind-boggling. Got a better on practice this week is that Everson Griffin, you know, is probably going to be moved um, out of the starting lineup more than likely. You know, depending on some injury stuff. But you know, during the game, when I was watching, when I was watching the game film, James Rogers, not a big guy, probably you know, five foot six, five foot seven, pounds, would would come in motion and would let, would just open up huge holes on Griffin's Griffin side of the line with with these these blocks and it was it was astounding that that happened and I just I don't know it's just stuff like that that happened that shouldn't have happened I, I can't I can't say exactly why it happened um, I know that the coaching staff's responding to it. Um, they are making some changes. Some are being forced upon them because of injuries. Others, like the Griffin change, I think is more of a, you know, they need to get Clay Matthews on the field, and that's a logical place to do it with his speed and with his, you know, just playmaking ability through three games. I mean, that's that's a logical change at this point, and it doesn't surprise me.
1: Now, at practice this week, what do you think the the attitude of the players has been? I mean, do they need that kind of a shakeup where you say, Griffin, you're out, Matthews, you're in, and even on the offensive line, uh, you know I asked I asked uh, Pete Carroll about this yesterday with Heber being out. You know he said uh, you know Parsons could come in and play. I don't know if that wouldn't have happened anyway, even if he wasn't injured. But it seems like they wanted to shake up the lines a little bit. Is that kind of the attitude down there at practice?
4: Yeah, you know it's weird. It's kind of a it's kind of a mix of two things. I think you know part of it I do think is reactionary to the loss. Um, you move you move guys around and, and you do stuff like that. But I I think also the other part of it is that, I mean, keep in mind, this team's now played, you know, three games. And and that's a pretty good amount of time where you start to kind of know what you've got. And I think that that kind of allows you to to make some changes just based on information that you have at this point. Like, you know, like I said, I mean, through three games, if you watch every snap defensively, I mean, you would conclude probably that Clay Matthews should be on the field, you know, more than almost any other player.
1: Yeah, he's and, definitely and made know, a lot but, of plays. I mean, it, you see him out there. I mean, I, when I edit the film, you know, I usually, and a defensive player, I always put it, you know, whoever made the biggest play. He has more than his share. you got guys like, you know, Kevin Ellison and Taylor Mays and stuff making plays and Cushing and uh, and Ray Malaluga and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it, for Matthews not being in there as much as some of the other guys, he makes as many or more plays than they do.
4: Yeah, no, he's been, he's been the biggest playmaker in defense. I think without a doubt he's been the most consistent playmaker. I mean, he's forcing bubbles. He's blocking kicks. I mean, he's everywhere right now. He's making plays on special teams. I mean, he's a guy that needs to be on the field, and, you know, the coaches are going to reward him. Now, like I said, that's partly reactionary because Averson Griffin didn't get the job done at Oregon State. But I also think part of it is just that, you know, when if you – look at what they've done through three games. I mean, it's, it's a change that's logical and it makes sense that it would happen now, you know?
1: I agree. Alright, well, I think we talked about the Oregon State game plenty. one wanted to look forward to Oregon. So we can we
4: talk about the Raiders? Do you want to talk about the Raiders?
1: Uh, and what happened yesterday? Poor old Lane Kiffin. I got to meet, um, well, I've I've known Lane for a little while, but I down at the Senior Bowl last year, I was at a bar after one of the practices. I was talking with Lane in the back, just Kinda of getting his thoughts on things because I think his job was even up in the air then um yeah. we we're, were just chatting, and he you know he was a lot of the USC fans never liked Lane uh for whatever reason I think you know people love Norm Chow and when he came in there. Lane was always nice to me i mean he was never it wasn't like he went out of his way or anything to be mean. he was always nice to me, so we were just chatting, and uh we were in the bar, and, you know we both had a couple of drinks and up walks uh Jerry Jones and Monty Kiff and his dad. And it was kind of funny. So I don't think I've ever met a billionaire before. So he was like introducing himself, and I'm like, "Here, I'll get out of your way." He's like, "No, no, you can keep talking." I'm like, "No, that's okay, Mr. Jones, you can talk to him." <laughs> so yeah. it was kind of it was kind of funny. But poor Lane's gone. I, I you know I think he's going to pop up somewhere for sure. Uh, there was people talking about is he going to end up back at USC? And you had in your report that there's really no space for him uh, right now. I, and to me personally, I don't think he would take. I mean, he took. He was a head coach in the NFL, and people say you were stupid for taking that job but if you look at it his team was competitive everyone knows al davis is crazy no one's going to knock him no one's going to knock him for being for not having a winning record with the the horrible raiders i think it legitimized his coaching Just tenure, because okay, now you've been a head coach in the NFL. He could become the head coach in Washington. People have talked about on the boards or somewhere else. A good college place, he could become the head coach, or a worst, be an offensive coordinator for a good NFL team. Just because I don't think he gets dinged for having a five and fifteen record in that organization.
4: Well, not one. I mean, you consider that when you look at the other coaches that they have fired, and the other coaches that have that have gone on to do great. Like you know, Mike Shanahan, obviously the guy who jumps to mind, was a young head coach. He's been okay. So he to shake through Yeah, he's he's done all right. You know, so I, I don't think that hurts him either. But yeah, no. As far as Lane Kevin coming back to USC, I mean, that's not probably going to happen. um... You know, unless he a head coach in five years.
2: Right.
4: Um, you, you know, I mean, I think that at this point that you're right. His profile is too high to come back as an assistant. um... You know and like I said, I mean they don't have any jobs available either I mean you know they're they're, they're locked in with their staff they're happy with their staff and yeah they're not going to make a change but no but but Pete Carroll was not um not happy I suppose with how that press conference L. Davis press conference was handled it was just a joke I mean I don't know I can tell you that everybody you know all, all the reporters kind of on Tuesday hang around after the media luncheon and wait for practice you know in the sports info offices and stuff like that And you know everybody was kind of huddled around the TV watching that and, People just laughing at, at just like some of just the ridiculous statements that were made, Just the whole, you know, the overhead projector with the ladder behind them and stuff like that. It was just, <laughs> it, I mean, it was just crazy. And I mean, can see? Can someone seriously buy him a new jacket, too? Uh, That's, that is, I, I swear that Al Davis starter jacket. Like, I think I saw that like in New Jack City. I think I saw someone wearing that. I, yeah, so I, I
1: don't, just, like, I'm, I don't think you can get it anymore. Check on eBay. Maybe, no. maybe you can get one.
4: I think it's literally a starter jacket. Yeah. I don't even think that company exists.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, poor Lane. I mean, we'll see what happens with him. I know the fans will be talking about on the message for us. But going to the, the Oregon game, I mean, Pete Carroll talked about yesterday the potent uh, running attack. And after giving up so many yards to uh, Jack Quiz Rogers, you know, you got to be worried for that front seven of USC that looked really good in the first couple games. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you had an interesting story. You got to see uh, in person – the the quarterback for Oregon,
4: not the quarterback, the running back, LeGarrette Blunt.
1: Oh, okay. I thought I, you said uh, it was a quarterback. Okay.
4: No, no. I, uh, you know, down at uh, at um, working, you know, with Ole Miss last year, uh, they were recruiting LeGarrette Blount. Coach O was very high on him, and uh, they were kind of in the mix for him. And um, I took a trip down to his junior college um, with a recruiting analyst to, to go see him. And uh, yeah, I mean, all I can say, I mean, we did we didn't watch him practice, we didn't watch him play, we just talked to him. And that guy is enormous. Um, seriously, I thought I was meeting Ben Wallace. <laughs> That's what he looks like. Like, I mean, I mean, to the afro, to the. I mean, he had his hair pulled back in braids when I saw him. But, I mean, like, he literally, I mean, he really looked like Ben Wallace. Like, his arms are huge. I mean, he's a big dude. Um, you know, he'll be the most physical running back that you'll, see, you'll probably see this year unless, you know, Arizona State has a bulldozer or something like that. I mean, like, he's a big, strong guy. And uh, he runs tough, um, you know, from watching film on him and everything like that. I mean, he he, he runs strong. Um, He had a hard time in junior college, staying on the field. There's some kind of attitude concerns with him and everything like that, um, where he was suspended for some games and everything like that. But when he played, he was prolific. And, I mean, you know, obviously he's one of the best rushers, you know. I mean, you look at what they're doing on the ground, I mean, they've got two, you know, he's the fourth best rusher in the, in the Pac-10 right now, ninety-six. you know, 96 yards a game, and Jeremiah Johnson, who, you know, has one less carry, um, you know, is, is the fifth best rusher in the conference, I mean, they're, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to, they're Gonna, especially after what you know they promised out this so they they're probably feeling pretty confident that they'll be able to do it,
1: yeah, they got to be licking their chops I mean uh Johnson ran well with uh uh Stewart last year too Jonathan Stewart when they when when, when they were healthy, but uh yeah Stewart obviously had a huge breakout year and then's in the NFL now, but they got that two headed monster again and Bilotti talked about that yesterday in the press conference I mean you have to figure they're going to be extremely confident because, you know, that little <laughs> Chris Rogers ran so well, I don't know, maybe USC have an easier time seeing these big guys as opposed to the, the little scat back guy.
4: Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this. I, I, you know, I do think that that, that, I mean, we talked about this at length about how, you know, Roger's size I think was, was an enormous factor in his success. But, um, you know, I, I do think though, I was kind of thinking about this at the press conference would be, you know, if I was an opposing coach, I mean, but would I want to catch USC after a loss? You know, and the more I thought about it, the less I think I would want to. Just because, I mean, just because of, of, of the history of the program, the way that they've responded to losses in the past. I mean, all they did after losing to Stanford last year was become the hottest team in the country. No, that
1: you know? that did happen. Uh, I, I But I think it's hit and miss, too. I mean, do you want to play? Would you want to be Mike Riley playing a USC team that, you know, lost two years ago up in Corvallis and... Well, no. I think
4: the answer is you just you just want to get them off the schedule more often than not and not play them. I, I really I really think that's clearly the way to go about it, and then or only play them at home.
1: <laughs> and that, that's maybe I that'll think, work. I think
4: that's – if I was Mike Riley, I think I would petition the fact I had to only play USC at home.
1: Right, but and there's I mean, times you think that USC would be motivated and they've come out unmotivated. You know, like the the revenge games don't seem to be that big of a deal. But maybe it'll be fresh in their minds coming off of that game. Oregon State, another uh, team from the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, they did lose to Oregon last year, but that was a completely different team. So I'm I'm not even sure they're going to be thinking about that game too much and using that for motivation. Well,
4: I I spoke to I spoke to Ray, Ray Malibu about this, and, you know, we were just talking about his knee and everything like that. And and what, you know, he said, like, for two reasons that he wants to be, two extra reasons why he wants to be in the field. You know, one, they're coming off a loss. And two, you know, they're playing a team that they lost to last year. And, and I mean he, and and a guy who said that he didn't even he didn't spend a second thinking about what happened at Oregon State two years ago yeah so I mean so I do think that there might be a little bit of a shift in, in some of the guys, especially those older guys that know that you know, and also I think another interesting thing is I think that what happened on Saturday around the country may have kind of softened the blow a little bit of what happened you know at Corvallis
1: yeah definitely I if, think, if, you know, if everyone you know. Uh, held suit and uh, held serve or whatever and and won all their games but you got the you know all those top five teams losing and you got you know nine of the top 25 that definitely uh helped usc but let me quickly we got we're just about out of time just want to get an update on the injury status of guys like hazelton heber maluga those guys going to play or what's going on there
4: Hazleton looks okay. Heber will not play. Um he'll be out for some period of time. Um it's kinda of unclear, but he he's definitely an out. Uh Cushing has looked fine. Uh, he, he does have that cast on his hand. Um on his right hand, um, if my memory serves me correct. Um, but yeah, he'll play. Um Taylor Mace has had no problems with his chest after taking a shot in the first half at Oregon State. And then the big question is, what's going to happen to a middle linebacker? Um, you know, is it going to be Ray LaLuca or could it be Chris Galipo, Um, a guy who's been 100% cleared, ready to, you know, um, says he's in in good game shape. Um, he hasn't had to take any, any serious amount of reps yet this year or play any game, you know, this year or for over a year. But, uh, but yeah, it could be Gallipo, could be Cushing sliding over, and then that would move Clay Matthews uh, back to linebacker, which would – potentially open up a spot for Everson Griffin to, to start.
1: Could yeah. be a lot so of shuffling. Up, yeah, could be a lot of shuffling up there. We'll see what happens with Gallipo. I mean, Carroll admitted yesterday in the press conference he's not going to be, you know, as far as uh, cardio goes, he's not going to be able to probably go the whole game or anything like that. So we'll we'll see. He'll probably get in there in spots.
4: Yeah. Okay, yeah. quick note on Gallipo, though, is that they would prefer to play him than Cushing at middle linebacker because – of the things that I mentioned after what moving, pushing the middle linebacker means to the rest of the defense, where it moves, you know, through it affects three other guys. I think they would prefer to only have to make one change than three.
1: All right. Well, Dan Wykey, thanks very much for joining us, sharing your thoughts, and uh, we will talk to you again next week.
4: All right. Sounds good, Ryan.
1: All right. Everyone else, stay tuned. We're going to have a really short break, and we'll come back and you know, we'll give you the audio from the USC press conference. <music>
0: listening to the Parastyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California.
3: Hey USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com Network.
0: It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.
1: We are back for our third and final segment of the Peristyle Podcast. In this segment, we're going to hear from Pete Carroll. I'll play you the audio from Pete Carroll's answers to all of the reporters' questions from Tuesday's press conference.
5: Um, we're uh, getting ready here with uh, great earnest, you know, to get our our, our game back on track. Uh, we have an enormous uh, opportunity here, come back to the Coliseum with Oregon coming in, and a team that has just really, really looked impressive. And in areas that we uh, you know we need to shore up, they're extremely um, capable and strong. Um, so we're we're back at it. We had a good practice yesterday to get back uh, to business about this game plan. We get a little extra day because of the break, and uh, we're into you know full full game mode today. Um, we look at uh, you know this this. This game, as we look at other games, this is an enormous opportunity for us to get back uh, in the conference. We have to find our ways to get our wins here to to go ahead and get us moving, and uh, it couldn't be more challenging. So... um Oregon coming in, uh, coming off a huge win and uh, some big, big games. Uh, Throwing up 300-plus yards of rushing uh, And after we follow up a game and we didn't play the run very very well, um, really makes it hard on us. So um, we're going to have a couple situations that we'll deal with with players uh, as far as their health, but for the most part we're in pretty good shape and and, uh, Ray's the guy that's that's questionable at this time. He won't practice today and we'll wait and see what the doctors say, but Cush and Taylor and those guys are back out there and and, – but uh, we're, you know, we need to make sure everybody's all right. Um, <clears throat> this has been a, a, a you know, a, an opportunity is what this is, and, and uh, so we want to see our guys find our way to, to the focus that takes us right back to the way we're capable of playing, and that's that's what we do. We've done this before and been in the situation, and I like the way our guys responded uh, yesterday, uh, and and uh, we expect to have a really good practice today and see where we go from there. Um, uh, we're going to try and in in find ways uh, to keep them off the field and, and keep the ball moving on offense and slow down this uh, you know the offense that they've been just ripping with and, and uh, see if that can help us and it has to start with the running game first uh, I understand that they're going to uh, start masoli they've had four quarterbacks have played for him already and um, so you know I know that those guys are all, all available a little bit different styles from their guys too and if Roper plays he has a little bit different uh, element than some of the other kids so all of that adds to a very complex approach. Um, that we're, we're facing and we have to do a really nice job dealing with it. So on we go. Uh, he's been running for a long time, but in game shape, of course not. You know, he hasn't played since last year. Um, you know, We're trying to throw him in there in the practice situ- situations to get him as real live work as he can. Uh, he practiced well last week. And so uh, you know, he was really practicing last week like he was going to play, and they gave him the okay this week. So he's available to us, and we're going to go into practice today in the next couple of days and figure out what's the best mix for us uh, if, if Ray's not available. And, and really, we go in like Ray's not available right now. And uh, so um, Gallipo plays his spot. Uh, Cushing's been backing up uh, all along. Um, it gives us a chance to do uh, some things with Clay Matthews and also Mike Morgan. And, um, and Wanaka Venga has to get ready to go. So we're, uh, we're getting close um, you know, to, to figuring that out. But we, won't, we won't, don't have to call that yet. So we'll wait and see how the days of practice uh, uh, give us information. Uh, we didn't play well. You know, we made we made uh, um, a lot of just technique errors uh, up front, and uh, it wasn't the complexities It was of their part of it. They executed really well, and when we weren't right, they took advantage of it. And the running back did a really nice job of finding the soft spots and and was very effective against us. Um, it, we saw in the second half, you know, what we needed to do to fix the thing and did it, and and. Uh, uh, but it was it was you know too late for us in in that game and, and they did a really good job of blocking us and you know things that that we do fundamentally uh, in most games didn't happen in some regards up front and so it, it got us out of whack and and um, it gave them a chance to get a game. Did you run more
4: three down in the first half than the second half?
5: No. No. We we. Um, we just shifted some. I won't to talk too much about what we did, but we shifted some things. Um, and uh, Clay Matthews played more in the second half and did a really nice job in some areas and, and made some good plays for us. And just it was just it was just being more consistent and more determined to dig the plays out because it was all that inside running game that just kept kind of pecking away at us. And we, we you know it just took us a while to to make the points. We were we were making the adjustments on the sidelines, but it really took us till halftime to really get it done. Well, there, you're de- dealing with a couple different issues. You know the the you know the the mental aspect of, of what your team's feeling like is different than coming off wins. So you have to you have to get them back back to the truth of what happened. Um, you, you have to get them dealing with what's at hand, not with what happened, you know, before. And so those things, you know, come out in the, in the conversation now, you know, and and. Uh, um, so you know that's how we're doing it, and, and so what we do change you know, those those elements come out, but the rest of us go back to work as usual and, and try to get back on track. We have a lot of confidence in the way we've done things in the system and, and the, the emphasis that we have and, from day to day, and we we want to make sure and recapture that and not be off of that. As opposed to changing something, It's to make sure that we recapture the mentality that we that we um, you know have found successful for us over all the time. No, he's just disappointed. You know, he, he, Joe knows he's you know he's more capable than missing a little screen pass and and he misread you know two punch you know trying to catch the ball and, and uh, um, the other play he just tried too hard. You know, he was he was really trapped and in the backfield and he tried to spin out and get away again and got vulnerable and got you know got the ball knocked away. That that's definitely something I've been dealing with with Joe and we dealt with Reggie for a long time. You know, that to minimize the bad play that the, the you know the. The yardage on a bad play, just get out of it and go to the next one. You know, and sometimes the guys have this mentality that they they got to keep fighting to try and you know, you know, correct what's going wrong, and and they get exposed. And uh, Joe definitely has that mindset that he thinks he can pull it off and get away and get back out. And and in that, you know, you get hit from all angles, and, and it's it's harder to take care of the football. So. Um, but we've been addressing that with with Joe for some time, just as we had to do with, with Reggie. Certain guys just have that mentality, you know, and, and uh, you have to try and break them down on it. But That's something that we'll, we'll continue to deal with, you know, and it's kind of in his nature to try to make something happen. So we're talking about it, you know, in some regards. Not exactly what you are talking about, though. They've just ripped, you know, and uh, they have a very um, wide-open attack. Uh, it, it is really the... It's kind of the epitome of the spread offense, with the quarterback being featured as part of the the running attack. Uh, all of their quarterbacks have run with the football, some more than others, um, but they have a lot of ways to get the ball, you know, in their in their run lanes that they want, with a lot of different actions and motions and and things. And, and it's very it's a very nice offense. Um, you know, the, the, Jeremiah Johnson's always been a good player. Uh, the, the new kid, Blunt, coming in from junior college has really given them another element. You know, Jonathan Stewart was a heck of a football player. But this guy runs maybe more physical, you know, more physical nature about him. And... and uh, uh, Jonathan, you know, played on the edges maybe more effectively, but uh, Blount really comes at you and breaks tackles and makes you miss, and, and has an attitude about it. It's really a nice aspect of the running game. So they have they have the uh, the flash of you know the kind of the perimeter game, and then they have him banging away at you, and so it's it's a real nice attack. Yeah, well, it's into you know, their good fortune. The running game has been so alive that they haven't had to rely on the quarterback throwing the football. Uh, i mean they, they still have thrown it well a lot of yards, but um they haven't needed them to throw much and they just they 've run their way back into the games when they got behind and and uh and made their, their their plays you know where the quarterback really wasn't exposed in terms of his youth and inexperience and all that kind of stuff so um and they have ways to to make it easy on the quarterback you know when they're throwing games through so a lot of screens and a lot of a lot of quick quick perimeter stuff that helps those guys um, you know so uh, I think it's because of their nature of the running game they've been able to get by with the young guys. Well, he's working on his stuff as always. You know? I mean, he's just working on, on uh, executing the offense and understanding what's going on. This is a different defensive style that he has to learn to read and during the week's time and, and uh, make sure he picks up the pressures and the coverage change-ups that they have. So he's re- right now, it's really just about studying um, Oregon's style of defense is where his focus is. He he's played solid football and, and, and he hasn't dipped in any way. In my mind, I think he's 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 done really well. And and, uh, and but you know each game you have to adjust and and take care of business. You know we needed to help him a lot more in the running game last week. You know to get him his ch- chances to throw the football the way we'd like to. You know, but I, I think Mark's doing just fine. Did the offensive line? Then. Yeah, we weren't as effective. You know, we had two really good games and, and this game. Uh, you know, a lot of there was a lot of penetration, more so than in the other games. Got knocked off line of scrimmage a little bit, uh, which really um, showed up. You know, and, and affected the pass protection. Um, you know, the protection didn't break down as you know clearly, but but there was enough push that, that it caused some problems for us at times. And Mark had guys at his feet and stuff that he didn't feel in the first couple games. Yeah, I, you know, I, this this game, looking at the schedule, you know, and and seeing how the games could come off, and hoping that we could get you know get off two and zero. I thought that the Oregon State game would be a big challenge, you know, just going on the road and all that kind of stuff, and, and you know, I was hoping that they would be undefeated at the time, so everything would be on track. They struggled a little bit in a couple of their first games, and uh, I, I don't think we had the same edge, you know. I don't think we did, you know, and I, I think that, uh, and, and often, I, I think that's very normal, to, to you know, for that edge to be. To, to be kind of in question, but how you play sometimes picks you back into the, you know the mentality and the edge that you need and, and how they play too, you know, and, and we gave uh, Oregon State a, a tremendous boost by their opening drive, and then they stopped us the first three times we had the football, and the place was going crazy, and their players you could feel it they, they, they seized that momentum, and we had to make some things happen to regain it, which you saw exactly happen in the third quarter, but it was it just wasn 't enough you know with, with the time allowed, and we, we couldn 't get it done. So uh but I, I you know I, I can't tell you I would like to say you know we were perfect and we were great but I, it didn't I, I think it was uh we were challenged in that manner and wh- it wasn't the same as it was you know from the game the week before and that's something that I take great pride in not allowing and uh but you know in all of the my little ways and, and uh, approaches and and uh you know I didn't get it done you know and and uh, that's why it was it's when the whole team does not perform as well, particularly up front, uh, and, and we're equipped well enough, then you know we're not we're not right, and, and uh, so they've got to take advantage of that. And the, the amazing thing about it in games, and you know, the, there's so many examples of this. And people say, well, Jesus, 18 and 19 year old kids, and it has nothing to do with how old you are. I mean, it happens to teams in sports no matter how how young or how aged you are. Uh, it, it's it's. Being able to play beyond sometimes what is there and what isn 't there and and uh, we weren 't able to do that early enough in the game. What happened between at halftime? you know you snap your fingers and all of a sudden you see us come out ripping and, and uh, um, so it was it was it took us you know a major hit in the head here you know to to, to get going get get right and I loved the way we surged back i was i couldn 't have been more sick about the fact that we had were faced with that, and we had to do that you know and, and uh, so that 's how it goes sometimes and it wasn't that we weren't approaching it and trying to work it. It just didn't we didn't get it. I didn't get it done. Kind of on those notes, you want to take a moment of silence for our for our comrade up in the Bay Area, you know. Okay. Tough deal for Kiff today. Um, I don't know if you all picked it up, but uh, you know, Al finally made the call up there. And uh the tough start to your NFL career. <laughs> I haven't talked to Lane yet, I've talked to other guys up there, but uh...
1: word is he's gonna need an interpretation.
5: Um, I'm, I hope that the league does the right thing here and, and takes care of the, the situation properly and doesn't allow that to happen. That's. But, uh, well, I we'll see. We, yeah, Stefan played very well and and did a really good job. And, and CJ did what he had to do. Those two guys got got we got to get the ball in their hands more. Uh, they both run with authority and do good stuff. And and it, it was just a case that we ran the ball 22 times in the game. You know, we didn't get enough carries. Uh, because we didn't make enough first downs and third down conversions, and all. So hopefully that's not part of this game. And we're on, you know, we're we're on to moving the football the way we want to. Then we get the mix that we like. Uh, unfortunately, they, we didn't get that. But Stefan was very effective. Moved the move the, the pile well. Made made you know made space for himself and and just just was very effective. Yeah. Had a big run taken taken away on a a penalty yeah, too. Perfect scenario: How many carries would you like? I don't have it. That I don't know. How many times do we want to run it? We want to run it 40 times. Yeah. You want to know that we want to run it 40 times in a game sorry, no it, it just depends it depends how it goes you know <clears throat> I like rushing for 200 yards and 40 carries and you know and those kinds of numbers is what when we play well that's what happens you know and, and uh, you know so they, there's plenty of runs for everybody and we're not we're not concerned when that happens Do you, get hot? you know I honestly I think that in the first three weeks here um, we're still searching it a little bit to see what's the bet the right the right emphasis, the right combination—it was too easy in the first two weeks, really, to even be concerned about it, you know. And, and uh, but it, it, it raises, uh, you know, the, the thought that you know, it, what is the best mix for us? I, I really have always thought of this as is kind of in terms of Reggie Lendale—that you have you have Joe, and you have the other factor, you know, whether it takes two guys or three guys or whatever. That until something shows differently, and we're just really just. Allowing it to emerge, you know, and and, uh, and see what happens. And, and uh, you know, I don't have any problems with what happened the first two weeks. And the third week, you really couldn't tell. And you know, we didn't get a chance to handle football enough. So um, it's not. A, this is not a problem. It's just. It's just going to. It's going to work its way out in time. And and uh, in my mind, anyway.
1: That's our show for this week. Thanks again for joining us here on the Peristyle Podcast. We'll be back next week talking USC football.
0: listening to the Paristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Paristyle podcast the next time you log into iTunes.